Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk, we talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Guilty Movie Pleasure. Oh, yes, Guilty Movie Pleasure fans, we are back. And Ben Begley is my name, and occasionally doing podcasts on Zoom is my game. I tried to make up something <laughs> off the top of my head, and I, I bailed on it. You could feel me pulling the ripcord as I, as I did it. I'm Ben Begley, your host, and with me as always is Jesse McIntosh over here. Hi there. But we also have a very special guest today. If you're an After Buzz regular, you've seen him because he pops up on nearly every show on the network. But right now he's doing the WWE show, the after show is Raw and NXT. He also has an MFA in film from Chapman University, so we're going to hit him up to direct some stuff after this because I'm terrible at that. Please welcome Flobo Voice, everybody. Yo, thank you so much for that intro. I'm going to have you go around everywhere and just give me that same like love and warmth every time I'm on stage. Just like build you up. And also, Flobo, yeah. welcome to the show, man. Uh, thank you. Yeah, for thanks. We were talking a little bit about uh, your stand-up as well before this, and I wanted to get right into that. so we can Yeah, man, I'm doing stand-up for over about, uh, I guess August will be six years now. Wow. Uh, sometime in there, and I've been able to to perform from here to Canada to Italy, and, and loving to, to, to work on the craft, for sure. What? Okay, so how was it performing in Italy? <laughs> That's incredible. Well, I realized this. Once you leave the country, there's like there's like comedy clubs that go shows in English. Like there's like a huge thing because I think yeah. comedy is really like a like it's like it's like soccer, right? The British people do it a certain way, the Brazilians do it a certain way. Like for most comedy is usually English speaking, so you'll have lo- local language shows, or you'll have like an English night or an English showcase. That's what I did when I was uh, there. I was on a business trip, so I decided to make a detour and got myself a booking wow. over there. How are how is the reaction to your joke like because like you were saying uh humor is very regional uh, usually um did you have to shift your jokes accordingly or did you just try stuff out that are more american type styles of humor or how did you how did you swing what i realized uh that once you leave this country we we are more like the british and that we appreciate wordplay and wit uh, but whereas once you go out into Europe, it's more broad. So yeah. like you get to use your intro more and be like, it's this big, you know, you got to be more expressive, but it's not like I changed my material. It's not taking pies in the face or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> you, know? you suddenly became a prop comedian. Like, yeah, like, this guy's great. You know, it reminds me of an account. <laughs> exactly. That's See you later, Italy. Oh God. That's my Italian. What'd you think, Jesse? Was that a good impression? Uh, uh, Dialect. A good impression of of who exactly? <laughs> um, Super Mario. <laughs> Mario. Super Mario Brothers. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah, not no. to, yeah. What were you gonna say, Jesse? You, th- you know, no, you're just dialect say, grade. Uh, I would, I would, I would say pretty good. I would say okay. going in unprepared. Like you can't ask for too much more than that. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know how many times whenever I think of Italian, I think of I've never seen Captain Corelli's mandolin, but I remember in the trailer, Nicolas Cage goes. Bella Bambino, 12 o'clock, and like salutes <laughs> Penelope Cruz, and it's it's the dumbest, weirdest thing I've ever seen. I feel like Italian, you just have to be like on the rhythm. Like everyone who does yeah. an Italian accent goes like this with their hand because they're like bouncing their words with their hand as they speak. Which and it's like my wife is Italian, and her family is all very Italian, and none of them talk at all. <laughs> doing the thing is i slipped into it because like for example to say like please is like per favore but you'd be like yeah. per favore. you're like whoa, whoa, whoa is that okay can i do that as an american <laughs> you know yeah. is that is all right 
that happens whenever I'm around um, friends that are British or Australian. I'll start to accidentally do a bad accent, and then I worry that they're like, "Dude, I get it. You're mimicking me." And it's like, "No, no, no. My ears just picking it up, and I'm and I'm desperately want to sound as cool as you." Uh, but no, anyways. So hey, we're back. We haven't been here in a while. <laughs> that was a rocky, bizarre uh, stream of conscious intro from me and uh, Flobo. Thank yeah. you for being here. Thanks I for the invite. Dolomite's uh, classic. I mean, we're we're covering Dolomite, and um, this came about. I saw Dolomite as my name last week, and I became fascinated with seeing the original one. And had either of you ever seen the original Dolomite before? I saw the Human Tornado like two or three years ago, mm -hmm. uh, but I saw Dolomite, the original Dolomite, like in my early 20s, you know I mean? It was like yeah. somewhere between undergrad and film school. I was like, I should really get into the whole culture thing. So it had been a long time. Yeah. And it, the human term. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Tornado's the sequel, right? Yeah. The, the second one? Because he yeah. did six, right? I, definitely multiples. I'm not sure. I have to look that up if it's six, but definitely awesome. uh, more than one. And have you seen Dolomite is my name? Yes, I have. Yeah, yeah. about a month ago. Quarantine. It's all, what's yeah. time, right? But sometime this year, I saw Nothing matters. Nothing matters anymore. <laughs> that circle, man. Yeah. And Jesse, uh, what's your experience with Dolomite so far? Uh, hadn't seen it. I had, I watched uh, Dolomite is My Name last year whenever it was released on Netflix um, and found uh, Eddie Murphy to be uh, just like incredibly engaging. Yeah. Um, and just it was a really, really interesting performance and uh, depicting someone who truthfully I knew nothing about. Um, I did I did not know. I'd never heard of the movie Dolomite. Um, I didn't know of the whole series of movies. Um, so yeah, I hadn't seen it until uh, until I flipped it on for the podcast here. <laughs> um, it's definitely uh, definitely an experience. Uh, I'm glad. I really am glad I watched Dolomite is my name first. Absolutely. Um, because it was really just sort of like a soft intro. Um, and it prepared. Uh, like uh, we covered The Room a couple years back. Um, and if I had seen that without any introduction to the room, I would have had a much different uh, impression yeah. of it than with the context of everyone being in my ear about like, it's uh, like, watch out for this part. And this is so crazy when this happens. I feel like I got sort of like a truncated version of that watching Dolomite is my name, um, sort of like ramping up to watching the Dolomite movie. Um, so yeah, I, I, feel like, I feel like it was good context. I feel yeah. like it, it definitely like put me in a headspace to watch the movie. That's how I felt with, because um, Dolomite is my name. I, I, had, I had heard of Dolomite before, but I just assumed it was kind of a more um, like serious action film, like Sweet Sweetback's Badass Song or um, uh, Shaft or one of those where it was just kind of like rough and tough. I didn't realize that it was kind of like, while I was watching it, it reminded me of elements of exploitation, obviously, mainly, but then like elements of Ed Wood and elements of the room. And it was fascinating. And I think having, like you said, Jesse, having the context of Dolomite is my name 
and knowing that this has become like this classic this cult classic where it's like so so bad in a way that it's good but also it's just so much fun to watch because this guy rudy raymore made it on, a, on his own time and like on just having the context of the filmmaking of it made it so much more of a joy to watch and i was cracking up during this movie and i'd love to know more how non uh, people that weren't indoctrinated into the biopic um like what did you think when you first saw it flobo like how much did you know about Rudy Ray Moore leading into seeing the movie, his stand-up career prior to that? Like, what was sure. your... So I, I was 21, so I, was, I wasn't quite in the comedy space yet back yeah. then. Um, but it really was um, a... There was two movies that we we were taught to, like, check out as far as, like, do-it-yourself on that kind of scale, or three, to count El Mariachi. Uh, but oh, it's yeah. usually Hollywood Shuffle and Dolomite. Uh, and those are the movies they say, hey, look, this is how you can do it yourself, especially as a minority creator or, or soon-to-be perspective going into to film school. So that's why I approach it. And so a lot of things, even back then, you saw like the, the boom mic falling in. and There's a couple of great moments. Yeah, and there's things that like I noticed were weird back then that I even find more hilarious now. Like when they, in the movie Dolomite is my name, when they kind of like send up the fact that Rudy Raymore can't fight to save his life. Like it ch- maybe chuckle back then, but watching it now, you're like, oh my goodness, it's it so this is good. Check the gate, you're moving on. Like, what? Uh, so it was kind of a mix of that. So that was like my intro to things, but I, I respect the fact that it got made. You know, you Absolutely. always sit there and you wonder about, wow, movies are great and how can I do it? But here you have it on a small scale. A complete product yeah i think it's i found it super inspiring and i i found uh dolomite is my name i had a smile on my face the entire movie because it reminded me of the disaster artist but was a much better film in my opinion because the disaster artist the hardest thing i had watching that was that i think the room is more fascinating than the disaster artist is and i feel like james franco seemed like he was making fun of Tommy Wiseau for most of the movie. It felt almost like a sketch character, whereas Eddie Murphy and Dolomite is my name. It was a celebration of this artist who did whatever he wanted to, to be seen, to be heard, to, to explore new mediums that he knew nothing about and fully admitted it. And I thought that there was this, it was more, it felt more like a celebration of Rudy Ray Moore than kind of a, a send up of Tommy Wiseau. Maybe that's just me. I, I think if I, I, I do see the parallels between the two of those. Uh, I want to say that with, with Tommy Wiseau, because we don't know much about him. Yeah, I think by design, it's, it's hard to find it relatable. Yeah. I think towards the end of the third act, when it's screened and we feel sorry for him, or even in the end of the second act, when they have that, uh, that moment where he tells off uh, one of the actresses, you're like, okay, I kind of see he's really, really trying. But Rudy Raymore, from the, from the first reel of Dolomite Is My Name, is a two-bit comic that realizes there's a ceiling of what I can do, and someone says, you can't do this. And that's like the most American story of it all. Here's some gates and here's some things you can't do. I'll show you. And I think we're on the long journey a lot early in the film. So everything's earned in the last, like, you know, last act. Absolutely. And did I miss, because I kept watching this movie waiting for the, the scene, the sex scene that they show in Dolomite is my name, where they're having sex so hard that the apartment falls around them. That didn't happen in the version I saw on Tubi. Did they cut that out or did I get robbed of that? Or was that made up for Dolomite is my name? Because I felt I, like I believe it was the scene with Shy, uh, the scene that he was having that the the, the sexy time with Shy towards the end of the film, the seventy minute mark. It didn't. Yeah, happen. I don't think the I don't think the ceiling fell in the shot. 
but I I had the same impression. Like that that felt like a mirror of what they were doing. Because the sex was super name. rough and uncomfortable and awkward, I thought. So that was like, the one time I... Yeah, very okay, awkward. So, so they had the shot of of from underneath of Rudy Ray Moore, like just his face <laughs> is sort of uh, a little bit like dreamlike. But it didn't go as far as Dolomite is my name, where the ceiling fell, because I was waiting for that, and I was so excited, but it didn't. That was happen. more of a plot device, really. It was just them realizing, hey, we're having fun doing this hardcore okay. scene, literally a hardcore scene. <laughs> the, <laughs> you know I mean? the funniest thing about watching it on Tubi is after one of the many sex scenes, it cut to an Elmo commercial about washing your hands. It was so weird. I was like, oh, that, that's jarring. Oh, <laughs> I got Postmates. I actually won that one. <laughs> Listen, Sesame Street is really like diving into the issues of the day, man. You like, let them let them tell you how to be clean after sex. It's important. <laughs> Let's get into this. Let's do the plot in under three minutes and then we'll, uh, we'll explore some dolomite. Uh, you ready in the booth there, Ryan? I am ready, Ben. Yes. I will count you in, sir. Please do. Going in. Three, two, one, go. Okay, so we start off in a jail cell, and Dolomite is brought in to talk to the warden, who says, hey, uh, are you a gambling man? This could cost you your life. Willie Green's uh, got some drugs he's selling on the street. There might be some cops involved, and nobody knows it's you except for one FBI agent, I think. And your cousin got killed, Jimmy, I think. And then he gets let out on the street, and he goes and he gets changed by a bunch of his ladies that also know kung fu right in front of all the the cops and the guards and the and the wait, 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 prisoners ben, but then we also find out why he's in jail because he got oh, set God, up yes. for stealing furs and cocaine Sorry. <laughs> so the police officers hide behind the bush and just stand there and then they walk out and they're like let me see your trunk he's like nothing's in my trunk they open the trunk and there's a bunch of furs and then they pull out bags of cocaine that's right i forgot because it was so jarringly uh, the flashbacks were, were very jarring. Anyways, uh, Flobo, hit, hit it. Where, where are we? So he's like, oh, man, I can't believe they, they hurt my man Jimmy, my boy Jimmy, my nephew Jimmy. And, uh, you know, Queen Bee lets him out. And he's like, oh, man, I have to get all even. But first, I got to be fly, right? So he's released from prison, and he somehow stops the whole movie to change his clothes. And the girls are around him watching him. And he's like, take these old rags. And the guy was like, you'll be back. We'll keep him for you. But now Dolomite's on the street looking for justice. And then... Uh, Oh my God, it's so hard then to the, Then the police stop him. They like yeah. pull him over, but he gets out of the car and then he comes back around and he shoots the ball. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what you do. Like, yeah. Oh, that's the first like 10 minutes. Oh crap. <laughs> and then he goes and, and has then, sex with, um, yeah. uh, was it Shy or Pinky this time? I know he has sex with both. He has sex with a lot of people. A lot movie. of people. He has sex with one of his girls. Uh, he meets Queen Bee and the other girls and, he, and he's told that they're, they're learning Kung Fu. He goes out from having sex and he's in a Goodwill parking lot for some reason. And the two cops approach him and they, they, they hassle him again. And he says he's going to kick his hush puppies off in their ass. And then, um, and then oh there's God. a preacher and the preacher uh, has guns, guns and the cops come in and they're like, that's okay. Just let us know about Dolomite. And then they rearrest Dolomite, take him back to jail. And then the FBI agent comes in and he's like, you're just a bad cop. And he's like, no, no, I'm trying to protect you. And then he leaves. And then Dolomite gets let out again. This 40 time seconds. Shy. He takes him, uh, who takes him back to the club. And then he's like, give me the key. And then he goes to the club and he pulls out $50,000, puts it on the table. He's like, let him know. I'm taking the club back. 
Yeah, not to mention the very different times where the whole movie will stop for a dance number or someone doing his old comedy material. Like those are very, very important times. Or him driving the car, getting out the car, walking into an apartment. Don't forget about those parts. Yeah, and then uh, it, it leads up to a big, giant stand-up show with Dolomite, and he kills it, and then literally <laughs> Willie Green tries to kill it, and there's a big shootout, and then he gets his guts ripped out, and then the FBI agent shoots him and says, Three, now it's on me, two, and then Dolomite's one. free. Times up. Well, the mayor, the mayor, the mayor, uh, the creepy yeah. mayor who, who looks like Ron Jeremy. The mayor creeped me the fuck out. I, he was gross. That dude was gross. And tell him, tell him I'm the one afraid Dolomite. Can we just say, I have to first start off by saying that yes. I'm, I'm, and we talked about this briefly beforehand because the mayor scene reminded me of this. I'm fairly certain that every sex scene in this movie was directed in a way by somebody who had either never had sex or didn't know how to film it to make like they make it look like they're having sex. I don't know what body parts are connecting in most of the sex scenes. <laughs> like, there's a moment where the mayor, when he's having a three way with, um, with is a uh, pinky, I think. Yeah. Pinky and, and his wife. Now you're a gambling man, aren't you? It depends on the game warden and how high the stakes are. Well, I might as well level with you. The game is rough. And the stake is your life. Roulette table above like five dollar uh, bets. I'm like, oh, I don't know <laughs> if I could handle a rough game where the stakes are my life. Oh my god! I love. Does the warden ever come back in this movie? I don't think he ever. No, just serves the pot, really. <laughs> Here yeah. all the stakes and exposition yeah. continue. It's like great. <laughs> but like only kind of, because then, like I said, he goes back to jail. So yeah. I, like those aren't fully the stakes, I guess, because they're I it's it's hard to say what the stakes are, I guess is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> because he seems fully in control. Um and like I said, outside entities are like controlling his fate. Um, so they're just like letting him out and he's like yeah all right let me get out of here the best is um i didn't know we were in a flashback because it just jumps to it when the warden's like we know why you got in here and then it just jumps to him outside of a house and like jesse you were saying i love that the fbi yeah. are like all right we got it or the cops are like we got him set up and then the one like awkwardly hides behind a, tr a tree yeah. like this yeah <laughs> And then I think really remember was like then the frame anyway, and it was like, oh yes, I'll walk out now. Yeah. What, what's the what's the Habs guy? It was weird. <laughs> yeah. So many amazing, amazing moments like that that just break the rules of filmmaking. Where like way later on, just because we're talking about the like like weird framing, when he goes to Willie Green's club that used to be his club. Uh, and there's like just three guys and like four girls randomly just dancing for them, I guess, as an audition. And they're You're like, hired. and 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 Chai comes in and is like, "Hey, um, uh, Dolomite's gonna—he's gonna come talk to you." And they're like, "Oh yeah, where is he?" And then he just appears in the room and he's like, "I'm right here, motherfuckers." And it's just like it's so good because like nobody saw him come in. For all we know, he, it appears like he teleported into the room by the way it's filmed, and it's <laughs> incredible. He seems to be on the on the opposite side of the club from the door, also, because yeah. we saw her walk in this way, <laughs> and then he's on the other side of them. 
Oh, it's so good. So then they go, then when he's getting um, interrogated by the cops, uh, one of the lines that Eddie Murphy nails in Dolomite Is My Name, I had to pull this sound clip because I love this line. Can we play clip number two? You no business born insecure junkyard motherfucker! There's some, there's some venom behind that. I dig that. Just a little I, bit. Just a little bit, you know? I think... Um, <laughs> I think whatever your acting choice is to just scream the final word uh, of a line, that's that's usually usually a good call, right? Junkyard uh, motherfucker! There's always those convictions, man. That was the time of the, the, the history where, like, those MF bombs were, like, the, the highlight of movies, you know? Oh, yeah. It was always like, what's going to come right before it? Oh, Junkyard! Okay, okay. <laughs> you know? Good job. Like that was the part you were waiting for was the yeah the qualifiers the, like, that's adjective, what makes it fun. yeah yeah dude that's what makes it work that makes it way better <laughs> you know oh like, are you looking for your junkyard motherfucker happy <laughs> 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 holidays no, oh it's such a great ramp up to just that oh uh, and then the the queen bee tells him that his nephew's been killed and we have so we had just a jarring jump cut to a flashback now we get a weird like bubbly dream sequence to a flashback where his nephew Jimmy's been shot and I think it was Willie Green that did it but I don't fully remember much about certain plot points um a quick cut I mean to be honest to be fair to you man the way that was shot you could tell it was one take it was like yeah. we had this one shot <laughs> here's a gun and then cut to someone's crying yeah. oh the girlfriend's crying like it was everything was like done to like serve that scene What's so great, like, and I know that this, I think even Dolomite Is My Name acknowledges that this movie is kind of Ed Wood-ish, you know, like one take, we're good! And, and like, um, Wesley Snipes' character in, who plays Willie Green in, in Dolomite Is My Name is my favorite character, aside from Eddie Murphy, obviously. He kills it in that movie, and I just wish that, Eddie, uh, that, that uh, Wesley Snipes did more comedy, because he is so damn funny in that movie. And yeah. I feel like he's the voice of the audience being like, this is, how's this ever going to work? And it's super inspiring to me to see this movie that is clearly like one take and then we're out, become such, not only a classic, but have multiple sequels yeah. and still be something people are talking about and still be something that a biopic is made that gets 96% on Rotten Tomatoes and award nominations. So we could all... Uh, I could, I could, I couldn't even dream of having that much success in something I write. You know, that's what's so amazing about this movie. It's yeah, like, I was actually. No, I'm no. sorry. Go ahead, Provo. No, I was saying it kind of to be defined what makes a classic a classic, right? Yeah. Because uh, it, it was it wasn't even well made by those standards back then. Uh, we can probably get into this a little later, but it, it came at the right time. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm trying I would, to. No, no, Jesse, go. I'm I'm sorry. I was all, all I was going to say is uh, just like watching it with. Like I was saying, with the context of everything, I was super conscious of like the limitations of such a uh, like yeah. pull yourself up by the bootstrap production, like all of the car scenes. So the, the one you're talking about, and then there was also like a little bit of a car chase later on when they go to the airport or like the sort of like private airport and he dies on the airplane. But like there were, there were a couple of car scenes in the film where I'm like, obviously like they're not getting permits for no. this stuff so these are just like guys driving in la super dangerous just like movie. hoping to get it you know what yeah. i mean there's it reminded me of 
back when I when you and I just used to do sketch comedy and how mm-hmm. we run around Burbank um, and like steal shots. Like we went to Burbank Mall and we're stealing things and like running away from security guards. And so for every like ridiculous thing that is what you, what would be considered amateur filmmaking, there's this movie has so much charm to it that you forgive all that stuff because you're just like. I'm like, yeah, that moment, there's a, there's a moment where the cars are flying downhill and there's a yeah. camera on the dashboard or even just like the amount of costuming and, and guns and blanks and squibs. I'm like, how the hell did this get made on like no budget, even as ridiculous as it is? It's still a huge achievement. It's crazy. Uh, I will say one of the the drawbacks uh, of going to film school is that you, you learn how to be fearful. You learn about yeah. fear for permits, getting shut down, all that stuff. Yeah. But if you have a crew that has like no regard for safety, you know, or a forced callback, <laughs> you can feed them like snacks. Like, yeah, sure, we'll do it. You know, I'll strap yeah. myself to a car. Why not? It's like you're watching this this glorious home movie by a guy who just loves doing what he's doing, and that's why it's it, it was so fun. Can we play? Um, so this is more classic warden dialogue. Uh, number number three, please. Now, I told you the job was dangerous and you could lose your life. But you're tough. You know how to roll with the punches. The name of the game is stay alive. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. That's going to be the drop for my DJ mixtape. The name is the game is stay alive. I love that in the 70s and 80s, like every action hero had this moment in the in the first act of a movie where somebody was like it's a suicide mission and you're the only one who can do it (laughs) it's the best it's such a great cliche that i love then we get the willie green dolomite song clip number four please some folks say that willie green was the baddest motherfucker the world ever seen but i want you to hold on to your seat and hold on to them tight because you now get ready to see the story of me yes me the badass i have so many questions so by now rudy ray moore had had multiple albums that had sold this is i'm just going solely by the dolomite is my name knowledge just accepting that as all fact and not um you know uh rearranged for dramatic purposes but i'm wondering if if people if anybody seeing this understood who dolomite was not because having if i didn't have the context of rudy ray moore's stand-up routine and and his performance art, like, I don't know if I would even know what this character is or, cause there's never really a clear setup for Dolomite. He's just like, he's a Kung Fu pimp, I think, who's working for the cops. Yeah. But that's, but I feel like the context was all based on his acclaim as a standup and his records. I would assume. That, I mean, that's a very valid point. I mean, I think Rudy Raymore at the time kind of overestimated his reach, which is why he had to pay for his own original <laughs> viewings. But when it comes down to it, people always talk about the black exploitation angle, and I hope we get to talk about that too. But yeah. this is really a prototypical like star vehicle. This is the Hudson Hawk of its time, right? Yeah. So you have this idea, this uh, this comic who has his character, this actor has his character, and says, "I'm going to give you what, my, what I'm good at. 
In fact, I'm going to stop the movie to do a whole wrap outside. It goes on for three minutes. But I'm going to give all that other wish fulfillment. I got the hottest cars, hottest girls. I can, I never miss a punch. I got beat once in the, in the opening sequence. Don't worry about that. But everything else, it's all me. You know, it's up to him, man. Why not? Wish fulfillment. Yeah, that's definitely. So I, I also realized while watching this movie that I haven't, I've seen most of the biopics about the major um, filmmakers and voices in black exploitation, but I haven't seen a lot of the actual movies. Like I've seen uh, Badass, which uh, Mario Van Peebles did about his dad's movie, Sweet Sweet Back's Badass Song, but I've never seen the original. I've seen Dolomite is My Name. I never saw this. I've seen the Shaft movies with Samuel L. Jackson, but I don't think I've seen the originals. So how does so how does this because you wanted to talk about the black exploitation sure. angle of it, Flobo? How does this yeah. movie compare to the other movies of the canon in that in that genre? I would well, say. I think it's good lumped together as black exploitation. But one of my favorite uh, directors, uh, Robert Townsend, who does the Five Heartbeats and Hollywood Shuffle and Meteor Man, yeah. says you know black exploitation may be a, uh, a, a misnomer because it was being exploited. It's hard to put this in context in the United States, but this is like what 10, 15 years after the Civil Rights Movement. Uh, so even though we may look at this and go, oh, of course he gets the girls, of course he gets the, the oh, he wins every fight, but it was very rare we saw black people do these things, especially on a scale of Dolomite. So it was wish fulfillment for only Rudy Raymore, but for the people going to the theaters. And so it was like, oh my gosh, we're seeing this guy being able to be a hero who was also in tune with the streets, who was also being a helping hand to someone and also has a sense of moral code, uh, doing the things that we want our heroes to do in a way where it, it's not it's not presented as strictly a criminal. There's a yeah. reason why he was in prison, even though it doesn't get explained quite right why <laughs> but there's I a reason why he's there <laughs> you know and so we look at shaft and, and shaft was a hero in his own right or even coffee yeah. or coolie high which came toward the later part of the movement these were really the first time in american cinema we're going to put black and, and african-american people in situations that are considered normal not just being the villain not just being like the mr big character uh you know like we saw in james bond theories for example yeah. having people with their own situation so wow well, it's pretty cool yeah no and i think that that's that's the that's a, such a, a fascinating and and bizarre thing for that that I've grappled with like in my adult life now because like as a kid you just watch movies and you don't really understand when you're what you're getting indoctrinated and what what things you're you're soaking in and like what either ideas or preconceptions or things like that and then as you grow up you're like wait a minute like um there hasn't been hardly any representation. You know what I mean? Like you, as an adult, and now that I'm more mature as a film going uh, audience member, like just seeing something like, I remember watching Black Panther for the first time and being like, going into it like, this is going to be like a Marvel movie. And then halfway through being like, holy shit, this is like, this is way different. And it's, yeah. it's, it's different than like, I got so mad at people that were like, what about Blade or what about like, um, what about like, uh, why isn't there a White Panther? And I'm like, we've had Captain America as White Panther, guys. But like right. seeing Black Panther I and even something as simple as like seeing Wonder Woman, it's like there's a difference in portrayal. And so I see what you're saying. There's uh, this celebration of different cultures and embracing the cultures fully, um, which I don't think was was very obviously wasn't apparent back then or wasn't more wasn't frequent but now i'm so happy that it's happening more and more in our cinema and getting billions of dollars 
because like Rudy Ray Moore had to buy out his own theaters to get this to be seen. Right. I think that that's a hook. It's, it's the money-making thing because it happened cyclically, right? In the early 90s, yeah. there was another wave of films, uh, the urban lifestyle, and those were considered B movies or C movies, uh, yeah. even though they were good in their own right. But Black Panther is a perfect example because not only was it a Black story, I tell people this all the time, as a first-generation American, it appealed to me as well. Having yeah. my parents from a different land and having to mitigate the fact that they, I am American, I'm from here, but am I seen as one of them when I'm there? Or am I one of, or am I American when I'm here? And that's another whole layer I'm pulling from. So back to Dolomite. As a Black person, dig it. But as someone 21 years old saying, wait, we're, he's doing what with those things? With those boobs? Oh my goodness. Uh, that was cool too. And that's a cool way you can enjoy it because you don't want all your movies to be about the struggle. I yeah. saw Crazy Rich Asians. It wasn't the best movie, but I'm like, you know what? They deserve to be dumb movies yeah. <laughs> you know, featuring people of color. So yeah, it's all about celebrating. Well, and this is also something I know that you were saying earlier that like film school teaches you to be afraid, but it also, it sounds like uh, something that I'm guilty of doing is I... I tend to watch movies in the context of the moment that I'm watching it right now today. Yeah. Uh, but film school, it sounds like did a really nice job of preparing you and like sort of, uh, sort of adjusting your mind to watch it in the uh, sociological and uh, just sort of like life context of mm-hmm. when it was created. Um, and it's a different experience. Um, so like the, the movies you're talking like the early nineties movies you're talking about watching it now is a totally different experience than like feeling what it's like in that moment and going to see those films the same way we experienced Black Panther in the moment. Like that's, that's why I personally was able to identify things in it that I might not have been able to, if I waited to see it for 15 years, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's just something that like, I think it's really good to, to sort of train yourself to do and train yourself to think about. Yeah, absolutely. At, at least for me. Oh yeah, I yeah. agree with that, and that's um, that's something that that I struggle with occasionally too. And I always tr- I try to just be like, what resources did they have? What was trying to be said in this moment? And and going from that point of view forward. Um, but we do have a, another amazing sound clip here, real quick. Clip number five. I love this this so much. Ryan, clip number five. Your motherfucking ass. Oh, well, yeah, I rewinded. I didn't hear any of that. Hold on. One more time. Man, move over and let me pass. Oh, they have to be pulling these hush puppies out your motherfucking ass. It's so good, man. So good. And <laughs> like you were saying, Flobo, um, there was underrepresentation back in the 70s. I mean, to a severe degree. And so to get something like uh, a hero being able to tell two corrupt racist cops that he's going to break his hush puppies off in their ass is something that I wish I could go back into in, in time and and see the energy, the the electric energy of that. And I think they capture that really well in Dolomite is my name, just like how much this movie was a celebration and, and a release for, yeah. for what you're not getting. And one of my favorite scenes in Dolomite is my name is when they're all watching the stuffy white comedy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, what is what is this? You know, it's bad, yeah. <laughs> it with like Jack Lemon in it, and it yeah. was such a funny moment to me because it's like, yeah, not everybody thinks like neurotic white people are funny. You know, that's not every. Even I get tired of neurotic white people. <laughs> yeah, I had get, decades of that. 
I, I totally, you know, and here's an awesome wrestling experience, wrestling reference. You know, I grew up in the 90s and one of the best storylines ever was Stone Cold Steve Austin against Vince McMahon. Uh, that went on like broadcast TV and sports because everyone can relate to being a guy who wants to drink a beer after a hard day's work, getting their boss's face and yelling at them and hit him with a stunner. So you can imagine going some places where you're not allowed to be or you're seen as someone who's bad or, or, or being ostracized. But then for $2 or whatever the equivalent is, a couple cents, I guess, in the 70s, you got to saw someone like yourself throw a punch or or say hush puppies in a in a, in a disc. You're like, yo, wow! It's like that that, ugh, that release, you know? Like, ew. my my favorite thing is in the third in the third act. I know we haven't gotten to talk about it too much. If you haven't seen uh, Dolomite, you need to because it's it's just fascinating. It's such a cool time capsule. Um, there's uh, the fight scene in the end. I was amazed at how like the extras are actually like genuinely good martial artists. There's this one dude that they keep cutting to who's just whooping ass. And then the chef is really good too. And a few of the girls, <laughs> the like the chef, the chef gets like a 10 minute sequence in the end where I'm just the like, chef. whoa, what? Yeah. Who is this guy? Yeah. The chef is so good. Cause my guy is just back there like cooking. Like there's a gunfight going on in the next room. <laughs> And dude's just in there, just like chopping onions until someone comes in and he's like, all right, well, I guess we're going to fight. I want to cook food. <laughs> yeah. How dare you? There's a, there's, um, there's, uh, a, there's one sound effect that struck me so bizarre where there's a moment where Dolomite goes to make a phone call and there's a kid on a bike and he pops a wheelie and I pulled the sound effect because it's the strangest, like, ADR or like weird sound effect ever. It's it's just a, a jubilant yell. Let's play that. Clip six. Did you play it, Ryan? Again. It's such a strange. I remember being like, was that the kid or like did what happened there? Yeah. <laughs> Use it for everything now. <laughs> yeah, it's like the Wilhelm scream. I wish that was the sound effect they use for everything. Um, then we have to play uh, this. This sound clip number eight is the clip to play from this movie. Real quick, Ryan. I'm gonna let them know that Dolomite is my name, and fucking up motherfuckers is my game. See adjectives. Yeah, yeah. So good. <laughs> the qualifiers. There, there's oh god okay so there's a few moments that i know we only have a couple minutes left but like he goes in to the club he cuts open the rug he grabs his money up pays him leaves and then immediately this happens so many times in the movie where he leaves the scene and then willie green walks in and he's like where'd he go where he was here and they're like yeah and i'm like you got he's probably still in the parking lot like you could, you could go get him and well also also like puts fifty thousand dollars down on a table it's like this is if this is for willie go ahead and find willie find willie like man. you, you don't want to just put cash down on a table like that with a bunch of uh i don't know uh, unsavory characters yeah. yeah or and i the third act takes this hilarious turn for me where when uh willie green in the middle of a club is just like fuck it i don't care about anything anymore give me the gun i'm gonna shoot up the whole place we already talked about the amazing Kung Fu Chef. Um, the fight scene between Willie Green and Dolomite is fantastic because most of it takes place with the lights off and, and you can barely see it. Then he rips his guts out. 
and the FBI agent comes in and goes, look out. And Willie Green shoots. And then there's a jump cut. And I guess Dolomite got shot in the shoulder. And I love that Willie Green's laying there with his guts hanging out. And the FBI agent shoots him two or three times. And it's like, now it's on me. I'm like, well, how are you going to explain his intestines <laughs> fell out? It's on me. <laughs> and then, then the FBI agent becomes the hero for the next like 15 minutes. And Dolomite's gone. And Wait, hold on, because I mean you're right about this, but also he's he's a hero. Uh, he's like the center of the center of the frame for sure. But then when they get to the hospital, he's like, "All right, here's the plan," and the plan is they just tell him it's a different room. That's that's like the big the big brainstorm that our that the FBI came up with is we're, he goes, "We're going to tell him a different room. Here's the plan." But then there is no more to the plan. Nope. There's just, they tell him it's a different room and they put pillows under a blanket. And the bad guys are standing outside the door and Dolomite like creeps open and, and looks. <laughs> <laughs> and then shoots them all with the FBI agent. And then seconds later, the corrupt cops come in in like Super Mario Brothers jeans. The dude has these amazing blue jeans with bright red exterior pockets. And they immediately get arrested. It's fantastic. It's like, this movie, you have to see it to believe it. Because it, it, I, I highly recommend watching Dolomite Is My Name before watching this to get the context of of, of Rudy Ray Moore and, and where this movie's coming from. Uh, Flobo, any final thoughts on Dolomite and its legacy before we wrap up here? No pressure. Yeah, make sure if you like Dolomite or Dolomite Is My Name, you got to check out The Human Tornado. Also a good time. Some more fisticuffs and shenanigans. Does he learn uh, better kung fu by the sequel? Uh, eh, well, it's low bar to clear. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> He's still better than me. I mean, I, I'm still way worse, so right. I can't talk. I can't. <laughs> Jesse, any any final thoughts on Tolemite from you? Good, sir. Uh, I just had a really good time. I was like, when when you texted me and you were like, talking about you are comparing it to different types of movies, I was like, oh no, this is not, I don't, I don't typically love movies when you you preface it by saying, you're going to love it. It's so bad. You're going to love it. Like normally those movies, I'm like, make I you very nervous. love that. Yeah, I yeah. hate that. Um, so I was a little nervous going into this, but uh, it's it's so much fun. It's like, so fun. He's, he's a really dynamic performer. Um, it's, it's obviously like his vision and it's so clear. Um, I had a really good time watching it. Same here. I second and third all of what you just said. And I guess we got to wrap up. So... Uh, until next time, uh, Jesse, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Too Much Jesse for Sketch at the Prom Losers. Flobo, where can they find you? You can follow me at Twitter at Flobo Voice, on Instagram at Flobito, and of course, Flobito.com. And uh, Flobo, you have your stand up album on Spotify. I forget. Yes, if I do. American for Now, available to stream, and my EP, Cookies and Beer, both available on Spotify. That's awesome. You can find me at the Ben Beglia on Twitter and Instagram. You can find us at Guilty Movie Guys. Uh, we'll maybe be back next week, but my wife is due any minute. So I don't know. We'll try. Uh, until next time, stay safe and stay sane out there. And what is your guilty movie pleasure? From producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network.